Marketing Movement by Refine Labs. Welcome to another episode of the Marketing Movement Podcast by Refine Labs. My name is Sydney Waterfall. I'm a VP of Demand here at Refine Labs. And this episode, I'm accompanied by some of my favorite people, um, Ashley and Tori. And we're going to do intros in just a second, but we're going to be talking about split the funnel. What is it, why we do it, how we do it, and how you can actually do this at your own company. Um, So it's going to be a great topic, and I'll kick it over to Ashley and Tori for intros. Yeah, thank you, Sydney. I'm Ashley Lewin. I'm a director of Demand Gen here at Refine Labs. Hi, everybody. Tori Kinlick, director of Demand Gen at Refine Labs. Awesome. So actually, funny story. I'm going to kick this off with a quick story. I had a LinkedIn post a couple of months ago that was talking about Split the Funnel if you follow any of our fine labs on on LinkedIn or any content you'll or watch our other podcasts, you you've probably definitely heard of this. But in the comment section, someone asked like, asked us, do you have like a class or do you have like an instructional way where I can get more details than just like a text LinkedIn post? And so uh, what better way than the source topics for our own podcast? <laughs> from the marketers we talk to all the time. Um, so that's just a fun story. Anyways, <laughs> um, and then we can go back to those comments and link back to this podcast and say, we did it for you guys. Awesome. So let's jump into it. Um, let's start talking about, first of all, why we even what the split the funnel is to us and why we even go through this. So Tori, I'd love to get your perspective on why, why is this even a helpful thing to do and what is it? Yeah. So I didn't have a lot of experience with the split the funnel exercise before I I came to refine labs, um, following along with Chris and Megan and, uh, uh, the state of demand gen podcast. That's really where I, I started learning about this concept a little bit. And, um, the more I dug in, the more sense it, it, it made. And so kind of getting to the, the root of it, right. The reason that we, um, regularly perform this exercise when any of our new clients come on board is to understand, I would say above all else, how they're their leads, how their investments are turning into revenue uh, and understanding more importantly, is that coming from inbound sources or outbound sources? I think that is possibly one of the the biggest takeaways from going through this entire exercise is, is the output is going to give you a really clean sense of how much, what percentage of your overall revenue are coming from those, those inbound channels, those inbound investments, inbound sources, and what's coming from outbound. And for so many marketers that right now are interested in trying to make the move from lead gen to demand gen, um, this is a great way to do it. You're, you're, you're leading with data, right? You're analyzing some of the, the past performance and you're splitting out your performance results uh, in a way that's really going to help you justify the changes that you're you're looking to make, and so that's a big part of the reason why we do it here, and um, and it's also super insightful for our clients. I, I can't tell you how many times I've run through this exercise and um, and met with just you know wide open eyes, like oh wow, I hadn't seen that before, I hadn't thought of that, I hadn't looked at the data this way. Uh, so you know, certainly valuable output, but I, I think it also creates a nice uh, dynamic between our, our clients and I when we start off our engagements and, and are able to um, see some things in their data and their, their performance that, that maybe they hadn't before. 
Yeah, that's a key thing that we like to do here. Um, <laughs> I've done it at previous companies too, um, you know, but it really helps when you're trying to make that transition from a lead gen model and you're trying to get that stakeholder buy-in to kind of switch to more of a demand strategy, focusing on high intent conversions, essentially using especially paid social in a completely different way. It's scary for people because they're like, well, we don't know what this is going to do to our pipeline. We don't know what this is going to do to our entire funnel and to put your eggs all in one basket is very scary for um, marketing leaders, sales leaders. They're maybe not um, so bought in, but by looking at this, especially if you have been running a lot of lead gen, you can clearly see which types of channels and types of uh, conversion points. So, you know, gated content, webinars, demos, trials, pricing requests, contact us, whatever you got, you can clearly see how that articulates into your funnel and what levers you can pull instead of looking at it just blended. Like we need this many leads. We don't care where they come from and they're going to convert to this many MQLs. And that's, um, I feel like that's a little too too high level when you're running, um, you know, kind of more the traditional B2B playbook. But um, I'd love to hear kind of too from Ashley, what's your perspective on how to introduce this, when you should use it and how to kind of present this to get um, that buy in to maybe make some decision changes. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. So what you alluded to, a lot of times when you're wanting to switch marketing from a traditional B2B playbook to this new demand gen model, a really hard piece of that is getting buy-in, especially from you know the, the executive leadership team because of the metrics that marketers are held to. So typically it's you know cost per lead, um, volume, things like that, conversion rates. And this new way of doing uh, demand gen really makes you rethink the metrics. So it's a great way to use the split the funnel analysis to pitch what metrics you should be opinionated by and why the previous playbook is not working. So I think it's a really great persuasion piece and also a really great deeper different way to look at the business in general as well so you can see those inefficiencies and see you know in order to scale uh, a lot of times I've seen certain businesses say like okay in order to scale we need to hit 30,000 MQLs per month one that does not make financial sense if you break it down by you know how much is the cost per lead how much are we spending you know how much are we paying SDRs to work these leads what's the conversion rate like what is the total cost of these leads so it just doesn't make financial sense. So when you're looking at doing it a different way, bringing in the split the funnel analysis and giving a really great deep dive for everyone to look at the financials, I think is a really great use case for it. I definitely agree. Um, I want to pivot a little bit. We've definitely talked about, you know, how we use it, why it's useful, how you could probably use it in your organization, especially if you're trying to um, get, get people to kind of move in a different way of the traditional B2B advertising playbook. So now let's start talking about how we actually do it. What what data do you need? How we actually execute it and some some tips like that. Um, I feel like we will probably spend a lot of time on the on this because there's <laughs> a lot of different setups and a lot of different things. But um, let's just start with like data points that you need. So I'm going to kick it over to Tori to kind of go over, you know, some of the key data points you should be looking for in your Salesforce um, setup or marketing automation setup. And then we'll probably riff on this for a while. <laughs> yeah. So the 
the place that you want to start, and actually, Sydney, I would love for you to, to kind of weigh in on this topic a little bit, but the place that you want to start, right, is, is by looking at um, your campaign sources or your lead sources. Uh, and these can be two different things, right? Based on different attribution models that you may or may not be looking to move away from. So, um, in your experience in the, what do you think is the, the right way, you know, what's the right starting point here, right? Is it, is it, um, you know, is it a lead source report? Is it a, uh, an opportunity source report? Is it something different? How do you feel like is the best way to, um, to, to get started? And I'm happy to kind of run with things from there, but I, I feel like this is a, a great topic for you to weigh in on. So companies will call fields, whatever that they want. So a leads lead source and campaign and all these things that we're talking about could mean something completely different to each individual company. And we see this like across the board, how people are using the field lead source versus like a campaign metric. But really the two things that you need to get to is um, I'll, I'll say how I refer to them and like the definition, but, you know, find this in your data, whatever you call it, uh, <laughs> is number one is the how the lead actually like what offer that they interacted with. So we typically call this like a campaign, um, campaign or offer. Um, but a lot of people populate this field into their lead source field. So however, whatever field is capturing this. So let's look at gated content, um, webinar signups, free trial, like whatever, those are kind of your campaigns. And you might have like a global campaign with a lot of camp, you know, gated content and then, what types of gated content or webinar, or what types of webinar, right? But overall, like bucket them into those kind of campaigns and offers. That's what you're gonna need to pull all of your leads by. Um, and usually um, it would be great if you had that at the conversion source, but not a lot of com companies have that set up, especially for historical data. We definitely recommend, I would say, doing the split the funnel for like a year like the previous year or like a long data set, especially depending on your sales cycle. So that's one field. Um, if you don't have a net campaign source, don't worry, just use first touch. Like, let's just start there. Um, how you, how the first touch is. And now that brings me into source. So source, again, whatever you call this field, how uh, I think about it is actually the marketing channel, um, paid social, organic social, paid search, um, Bing, Google, like whatever the actual channel and the channel details that drove that to convert on that offer. That's how uh, I think about source. A lot of people use a different field to call that. So again, whatever you think, whatever that looks like in your data, but you're gonna need that source and then you're going to need that um, campaign or offer. And then that way you can um, take all of your leads. Let's just start at the top of the funnel. Take all of your leads. If you don't use the lead object, use the contact, then it's gonna be a contact report for you pull all of those and then when you pull that report you can either do a lead with converted uh, uh, a report called lead with converted information report which will show you the opportunity data associated to those leads or you might have to piece a few uh 
reports together. Like you might have to run a lead report and then you might have to run a separate um, report for contacts or a separate report for opportunities. It, it very much depends on your operational setup. Also, if you, if I'm just talking gibberish right now to you, then this is a great like project to like really partner with your operations team and like learn the ins and outs behind how your reporting is set up, how things flow into different objects and how to report on this. That's the only way to learn is to like roll your sleeves up and get into it. So if you're not as confident on the op side, like use someone on the upper, like use someone that is and like use it as like a project, like a working project to figure it out. And that will pay dividends in your career. So that's kind of how I would start at least those two metrics. And then um, I know Ashley and uh, Tori, you kind of level this out a lot with the different clients. So we'd love for you to kind of build on like next steps to after you pull that initial thing, like where do you do next with it? Yeah. So I, I think, uh, thank you for that, by the way, I, I, that was, um, the next level insight that I was hoping you'd be able to offer on the, on the topic. And so, uh, to just kind of recap on that, right. We're, you know, essentially taking, uh, if you have that kind of conversion point data, um, by campaign, maybe, uh, you know, you're ultimately compiling, um, all of those that might fit into one of these, these channels, uh, you know, like Facebook, like LinkedIn, so on and so forth. Um, and, uh, and if it takes a couple different reports and, and you kind of have to, you know, uh, do a little bit of, of manual data manipulation, so be it, it'll be worth it in the long run, I promise. But the, um, really what you're getting to there is, is, you know, kind of your, your starting point. Uh, and once you have that, that list of those conversion points or campaigns that are ultimately making up that, that, that channel source, um, that's when you can start to, to, uh, pull the individual data points that, um, you're really going to want to kind of plot out, uh, ideally on, on like, um, you know, an Excel sheet or something like that to, to start understanding how these things are tracking all the way from your lead to close one revenue. So, the way that we're typically running through it and designing our our kind of um, you know spreadsheets here, right? It's going to start with that that source, uh, and from there you want to look at how much close one revenue did you get from that source, right? And at this point you're going to be um, summarizing all of the the conversion points that make up that that channel source. So how much close one revenue came from that source? How much money did you spend on that source? the number of leads that were created, the number of opportunities that were created, that will give you a lead to opportunity conversion rate, always helpful. From there, the number of opportunities won, the opportunity to close one conversion rate, helpful, uh, lead to close one conversion rate, also helpful. And then um, from there, you can also start to see what's your average deal size from this particular source. Uh, if you have sales cycle data, that will come in handy here as well, because the last data point that you're really working towards, and this is kind of what's going to help you stack rank everything, is that pipeline velocity formula. And so you'll be able to calculate that uh, based on some of the, the, the data points that you just collected, right? The number of opportunities, the average deal size, the win rate, and then divide that by the sales cycle in, in days. And so that 
that pipeline velocity figure that you'll get for each one of your sources, um, that's going to be what you're you're going to use to really help you understand just how impactful that particular source is as compared to the others. That's going to help you kind of normalize the data so you've got a common point that you can compare to each one of your um, each one of your sources. So that's uh, that's the way that I've kind of you know uh, learned how to to do things based on the the templates that that we follow here, um, and I. I think that uh, it's been, like I said, super powerful to, to put some of these results in front of clients, but also, um, you know, very insightful for us as we're really starting to get familiar with a, a new account that uh, we might not have a longstanding relationship with. We don't know what happened before we, we started collaborating together. And so um, this data really helps you kind of tell that story. Yeah, I think that's so spot on, Sydney, and uh, you got it perfectly, and Tori as well. I think another really great thing is to put the ROI on it too. So being able to take this data after you have completed the whole you know process of splitting the funnel, and then look at okay, how much money did we spend in on X channel? So let's say LinkedIn, Facebook, Google AdWords, etc. And then you can look at the results that you have uh, generated through this uh, process, and you can see what is the ROI on it. What's our ad? you know, payback period or CAC or things like that. And I think it'll really shine some light on where to focus or where to pivot, especially with marketing initiatives. Yeah, you know, something else just dawned on me that I think is is important too, right? We're we're talking about this move from lead gen to demand gen as a um uh, an about face, right? It's a very um it, it, it's a, a it's a big change and and we're kind of looking at it in a very binary fashion, right? You're doing lead gen or you're doing demand gen. Um, What this exercise could also help you do is, let's say you're trying to maybe do a little bit of a a slower move from lead gen to demand gen, and you're looking at holding on to maybe one or two of those those investments or channels or campaigns uh, that is really your traditional lead gen approach um, while you're trying to really focus a lot of your time and energy and attention on on a demand gen strategy. Uh, This is going to also help you understand you know, which of those those sources and, and channels you should be considering hanging on to, even if it doesn't fit your, um, you know, your your the the roadmap that you're interested in, in going on and, and taking on this full inbound strategy, because it's a big change for many companies. This is a way that you can figure out, all right, you know, which of the campaigns, which of the investments do we want to continue using, even if it's not exactly what our, our collective team is interested in, in doing. Um, you know, this is a, a channel or a campaign or an investment that uh, that was profitable, that was fruitful for us last year. So maybe we hang on to this one a little bit longer um, as we're, we're starting to, to make the move from lead gen into demand gen. Yeah, and I think a big piece of this too is when you do this exercise, you'll have direct and organic as channel sources that you will see and uh, nine times out of 10, they're gonna be very ROI positive. And I've seen a lot of marketers get a little bit roadblocked by these channels because unlike other channels, they're not easily attributable. You can't see directly into them. You know, direct, it's someone coming straight to your website, organic, they're searching for you. You don't know the actions that they're taking beforehand. Uh, and that's really, really where demand gen comes in. And it's driving that demand in a consumable way for your target audience. So you're looking at how can we get our message in front of more people? And so how can we drive, you know, those direct and organic up? So those are two channels that you can um, impact. So I just want to call that out because I know that's been an obstacle that I face in the past or I've seen other marketers face as well. Um, so if you see those two channels come up, you can drive results in them. 
Yeah, that's a good. Um, I, we were, were talking about inbound a lot here too, which uh, probably because most marketers are focused on inbound, but it's also a good way to like truly understand the business. Like you might have a, a pretty large partner section, so you could you could do the same. Like that could be one of your just like how we're looking at inbound and outbound. You could also have partner, or um, I don't know if you have like affiliates or something. Like you might have some other big channels, and then you can understand how inbound compares to all of those channels and what that will really allow you to do is like okay so outbound is you know our our lead to win rate or opt to win rate is this and let's compare that against inbound all inbound and let's compare that against like partner or something so you can understand what is more efficient for the Mm -hmm. business and where this will help you when you want to try to go present and get more budget and more resources you can say okay if we put more resources here it's going to have these this channel or this segment of the business has a, a better you know lead to win rate and it has a higher acv so that's why we're justifying moving some of the resources maybe around a little bit. So it'll, it'll give you experience there. Um, if you're doing demand gen well, um, not lead gen, if you're doing demand gen well, you should have higher conversion rates than outbound. Um, and if you don't, it's a signal that you definitely gonna need to make some strategy changes. Also, hopefully your um, great demand gen model um, of, you know, kind of what we preach about will also help increase outbound as well because they should be more familiar with their brand and what you do. However, uh, I also want to call out, like, don't, like, to Ashley's point, like, don't get stuck of, like, oh, my gosh, paid social, the especially if you're running Legion, the lead to win rate is horrible. The cost per, uh, cost per you know, close one, your advertising um CAC, your advertising cost to acquire a customer is outrageous. That is a signal that you're using the channel in not the best way. Yeah. So, you know, just because you're on LinkedIn and on Facebook and maybe you're using it in the wrong way. LinkedIn, Facebook, all these channels can be used effectively. Same thing with paid search. Maybe you're overspending there, over indexing. So just when you run that, it's going to tell you what's going on in that channel based on your strategy that you've been running in that channel for the the last 12 months or six months, whatever data set you're looking at, I would recommend at least 12 months if you have the data. So that is also going to add fuel to your fire to say, this is why we need to change our strategy and approach in these channels. It's very clear this is inefficient compared to all these other things we're looking at. Um, This is why we need to make that push and kind of get that decision maker buy-in. And then your point on organic and direct, I would say that's why we really focus on, okay, once you switch your strategy over to demand gen and you switch your approach on some of these paid channels, you need to be looking at the website funnel Mm -hmm. because you are not going to be getting, when you change your strategy to a true demand gen, not asking for conversions, waiting for people to come to you and convert. You need to look at all of the um, source level, the channel level metrics blended. Because as we know, we're not forcing the conversion. We're not going to get direct attribution on it. Um, uh, you know, shameless plug for the how did you hear about us field. That will definitely help you because it's very hard um, to explain to some executives uh, how organic and direct increasing is due to a shift on our social strategy um, if they're not completely bought in. But 
Um, those are some key things that you can use from that data um, when analyzing those results. So don't just get stuck in inbound, like look at the whole business as a whole. It'll make you a better marketer. Um, but curious too, if, um, how, how any other insights that you guys kind of pull out from different, different reports and different setups as well. Yeah. One of the, uh, one of the interesting, I think, um, flavors of all this, right. Is, is there's going to be marketers that are, maybe you're coming into a new role at a new company and they don't have a, a history of, of demand gen, um, you know, going through this exercise, some of the, the granular details that we're talking about, uh, those insights might not be available to you and, and that's okay. Uh, one of the, one of the ways that you can go about this, if, you do have a little bit of a shortage of, of clean, trustworthy data um, is, you know, you still want to go through the same exercise, the same approach as best you can. But your output might just be how much of your revenue comes from those inbound and outbound sources. And that ultimately becomes your new North Star. All right. I want to change this mix. It was 50 50. I want to get it to 70 30. Um, and so I think that there's still a lot of value in, in going through this, even if you don't have the same level of, of detail on on some, you know, inside of some of your, your CRMs, um, because I've certainly come across that in, in some of the work that, that I've been doing for um, you know, for, for clients is, is, you know, these, uh, these CRMs, it's difficult. You've got a lot of different people with their hands in it. And, um, sometimes over time, the overall quality of the data can, can degrade, but that shouldn't stop you from, uh, trying to, to move forward with, with a demand gen strategy, just because you don't feel like you've got enough trustworthy data as your, as your foundation. There's still a lot of valuable insights that can be had by going through this, uh, even if the, the output isn't quite as detailed as some of what we're we're talking through here. Yeah, I, I see this as a huge obstacle for a lot of marketers. I faced it in the past too. Um, data is never going to be 100% clean. So I think just accepting that right away. And you don't need to be able to have all of these reports live within your CRM. I think Sydney alluded to this really well in the beginning of the podcast of you can just, you know, slice and dice different reports, like if you need to pull it from the CRM or this database or the spreadsheet, you can match it all up and Frankenstein it into your own Excel document and get the same actionable insights. Uh, so don't let like the the uncleanliness of data uh, hold you back from doing the exercise because it does provide really, really great insights. I like the whole idea of Frankensteining data. That might be a separate podcast topic. <laughs> LinkedIn, the headline post, right? <laughs> um, I think that's a good point. Yeah, you you know, there might be a bunch of different data sources, especially depending on your maturity as an organization and how many ops, you know, resources that you have. Um one thing we talked a little bit about, like how to action results, but these results are also super helpful to come back to when you're mm -hmm. getting pushback or um, anxiety about how is this working? I don't know. Like, let's just go back to running ebooks uh, and doing this. So a lot of times, you know, we could we could show, you know, you could show your company, but, you know, we could go back and say, like, hey, this is why it doesn't make sense to put paid media, paid spend, paid dollars behind gated content. I, we know that they don't close, right? You can you can go back to that data and, and reinforce kind of the decisions that maybe you've agreed upon to move forward and change your strategy. I'm curious how, how you guys have used 
that data too of like moving forward. Like once we make a decision and we start to move forward, like how do we make sure we're refreshing that data, coming back to that, um, handling objections, because I'm sure a lot of marketers, you know, are, are a little worried about how they're going to handle objections of, of pivoting the strategy. Yeah, I think first and foremost, you need to get aligned on the metrics moving forward. So for instance, instead of looking at cost per lead or lead volume, you might be looking at pipeline uh, created, you might be looking at cost per SQO or marketing CAC, and then really making sure everyone is aligned to those metrics versus what may have been measured beforehand. So that when you keep coming back to it, you can say, okay, we were running gated content lead gen forms on platform. It was a marketing CAC of X. Uh, we've been running this for six months and now we have a marketing CAC of X, you know, just using your ad spend, a very kind of rough uh, number there. Uh, and it really just shines a light on the efficiencies and it does take a little bit for it to come into effect too. So you need to give it adequate time in order for it to hit, but making sure that you have the right metrics in place, I think is like number one, you need to get down. Uh, and then coming back to it, making sure either if you're doing it on a co cohort analysis or if you're doing it on a monthly analysis, just make sure that you're pulling it the same way every single time to make sure you're you know comparing apples to apples here uh, and making sure that you constantly are reporting back on it too, because you do need to watch it. You need to see how it's performing over time. And I think that also you know allows for confidence in the plan as well. Yeah, I think that was that was so well said, Ashley. And, and it's... Um... Yeah, the coming back to and, and continuing to kind of revisit, right? You know, you're you're ultimately you're establishing your benchmarks here, and uh, this is kind of the the data that that you want to continue to improve upon. So, um, like you mentioned time has a big factor in all this. You need to make sure that if you're calculating things like pipeline velocity or, or cost to acquire a customer, that you're leaving enough room for that full sales cycle to happen from so that when you're measuring things from, you know, that that lead, that entry point all the way through conversion, uh, you're not ultimately selling yourself short by by uh, cutting off that that window that a person would typically move towards a, a closed one in. But um, but no, I think you, you really hit the nail on the head there. That's, uh, you know, continuing to revisit these things. I like to do it on a quarterly basis um, and and just comparing how our current performance over that quarter compared to those baselines, uh, just so you know that you're continuing to to move in the right direction, because there's a whole lot of value that can come from doing this so that you can make the case to move from a demand gen to a lead gen model, but uh, people aren't just gonna say, okay, you're off on your way, right? They're gonna wanna make sure that that you're you're generating results from this new approach, this new strategy. And so uh, continuing to, to um, compare your your new results against those original baselines, that's that's how you can uh, you know continue to justify this this new way of of working, this new way of marketing. Awesome. Well, I hope this was super helpful for anyone that's trying to go through the split the funnel process or is thinking about it. Um, you know, we could we could probably riff on this for like a, a more another hour, honestly. Um, <laughs> but uh, just to kind of summarize, uh, you know, data points that you need to get started, your lead sources, which is going to be your marketing channels and details on those channels like paid social, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, paid search, Google, Bing, those types of things. Also include um, outbound and any other channels that you have like partner. The second data point that you're going to need is going to be that campaign or offer. So demo trial, contact us, webinar, dated content, 
you know, uh, incentivizing demo gift cards could be one that you might want to do this on because the <laughs> results are very telling. Hint, hint. Um, and then run that through for a last 12 months at lead to op create, to pipeline, to close one, measure your conversion rates, lead to op, op to close one, lead to one, um, your advertising costs, where you can start calculating your advertising CAC, marketing CAC. And um, if you have sales cycle, pipeline velocity, and deal um, average deal size, that will calculate your pipeline velocity for you. So um, quick summary, but hopefully this episode was helpful. And uh, yeah, let us know if you guys have any feedback or any questions. All right, thanks this guys. This is awesome. Thanks, thanks everyone, I gotta go Frankenstein some data. <laughs>